Welcome back to the Posting Up Podcast here with your host, Alec Jesse. Uh, the fourth season pretty much underway. Uh, summer is about over. Uh, classes are about to start. I know for me, uh, got about a week and a half left of freedom, even though I've been working away most of my summer. But uh, yeah, summer summer is about over. So you know what that means? That means college basketball is about to hit the ground running. And of course, I'm your host, Alec Jesse, thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. Um, it's been a long summer, but I mean, it's been you know productive. I've I've enjoyed uh, um, breaking down, you know, kind of away from the podcast, kind of mixing and matching uh, these teams and, and and their roster construction. Um, I this is the first episode I've had since what June? Uh, I think I think the last one I saw was June fourth. So it's been over two months. Uh, since I've last uh, done this podcast, but I, I, I designed it that I kind of wanted it to be that way. Obviously, I wanted to touch on the draft deadline and stuff like that. Um, I maybe could have done one for the NBA draft, but I'm not. I'm not super well versed in some of the NBA teams, their needs, and that kind of a deal. Um, I obviously, you know, pride myself in knowing the college prospects coming out. Uh, maybe that. Maybe next year, uh, w- w- I can do that. I also would rather also have a guest on i know a couple people that would definitely eat that up so we'll see about that but anyway yeah i designed it kind of that way because i wanted you know between transfers grad transfers um and reclassifications and recruiting i wanted i wanted a lot to talk about for this episode uh so i kind of designed it that way because you had guys withdrawing from the the draft right that were that then transferred so that was um excuse me so that uh, that's a a bunch of stuff to talk about you know with Quentin Grimes Kerry Blackshear kind of you know surprise decisions at the deadline um, and the impact of that and obviously you know recruiting stuff because uh, just because class of 2020 um, turned a lot of these dudes turn into class of 2019 by the end of the summer, and you didn't even really see it coming. And there's still more to come, so there's definitely a lot to touch on uh, with that. And then just some other little roster uh, tidbits with a bunch of the other teams. I mean, that's that's kind of how it goes. I mean, Arizona had a big injury. We've talked about that and impact. A lot of Pac-12 uh, stuff, and and we'll, I'll kind of touch on how they may be the beefiest conference in the country. Uh, but also, I'll lead off with Kerry Blackshear because that was a big one, of course. So Kerry Blackshear um, kind of shockingly withdrew from the NBA draft <clears throat> at the deadline on uh, May back on May 29th. Um, I think the expectation was that he was very serious about going. He was very serious about the process. Um, everything that I read, I mean, obviously I wasn't directly reporting on it, but everything I read from people that that were as close as you could get to the situation. Um, seemed to think that he was going to keep his name in the draft and that he had done all he he had felt that he accomplished all that he had accomplished at the collegiate level. I mean, playing in the ACC, playing on a team at Virginia Tech that wasn't a title contender but was obviously good enough to make it the Sweet 16, had Duke right there, um, you know, and he's played the, the upper echelon college basketball and, and was kind of the feature guy at the end of last year with Justin I mean Justin Robinson came back but in that period in which he was not there 
uh, Kerry Blackshear was kind of the, the guy, so he's kind of played in that role as well. And, you know, you're talking about a dude that's, what, 22, 23 years old, played college basketball for, you know, he, he was a, obviously a grad transfer, so um, this would be his, I guess, redshirt senior uh, season. So he's he's been there, you know, a long time, ready to start. You know, some dudes just ready to start their pro career. But he ends up withdrawing, and it was kind of a shocking decision. And, you know, Florida had always been kind of one of the big schools involved, Kentucky too, you know, Texas A&M. It was a weird recruitment because it really didn't start until maybe the second weekend. I remember, yeah, like the second weekend of June. He really, that's when he started taking visits. Um, He took one, I think the Florida was the first one, and then he took one to Arkansas. And that one was kind of like, what on earth? Um, Did not see, ironically, pretty much every school that he was considering outside of returning to Virginia Tech, was an SEC school between uh, the schools he visited, Florida, Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, and then obviously Texas A&M with the Buzz Williams connection was also a rumored destination there for a little bit as well, Um, along with the Virginia Tech, um, uh, the return to Virginia Tech. What was very funny about this recruitment is that it seemed like every team – (laughs) <laughs> had a day where it was the leader. Um, outside of maybe Arkansas, that that was they were never really. I mean, some well, some analysts thought that they were like, you know, maybe in his top two, but I don't think anyone thought he was like going or that they were a leader. But you know, Florida was obviously up there. I mean, they won it. They won out in the end. Spoiler alert. Um, but then you had, I mean, Tennessee, Kentucky. I mean, it went like. I mean, Kentucky, when they when they got him on campus, was like the heavy favorite. It was like, okay, they're going to sign him on campus. That was kind of the expectation. And then he le- he leaves, and then Tennessee all of a sudden seems to be the favorite. And then a couple of days, a couple more days go by, and then as the decision is you know imminent, Florida is the is the favorite, and he ends up rolling with them. I mean. If, it's it's a tough blow to all the schools. I mean, for Tennessee, they're probably a big away from being a top 20 team. Um, you know, they got, obviously, Lamonte Turner, Jordan Bowden, and Josiah James. So they have a very good backcourt. Um, three really good, three, uh, you know, two guys that have been, you know, that have NCAA experience, tournament experience, and then a McDonald's All-American. But their frontcourt of Yves Pons and John Fulkerson, I mean, Pons is athletic as anybody, but he hasn't really shown that he can do anything on the basketball court to this point. And John Fulkerson has been a glorified rotation guy, you know, kind of, a, you know, he would spell Grant Williams and Kyle Alexander when he'd be. Um, and now he's going to be kind of thrown in the fire having to play 25, 30 minutes. So, if but anyway, if, if Tennessee gets Blackshear, then okay, now they're not going to, they're probably, they're not a contender still, but... You can make a case that they're probably the, maybe even the second best team in the SEC. You know, you, you subtract that from Florida and give it to Tennessee. It, it's close. It's it's much closer. It's still probably lean Florida, but it's much more of a debate. And then, <clears throat> I mean, obviously with Kentucky, and we'll get into this later um, after I touch on Oregon, I mean, they missed on every single big, and we'll go th- I'll go through that. Um, and he would have been the icing on the cake to – 
the fa- to what would have been the favorite. I mean, the clear favorite to win the championship. I mean, you know, I they get EJ Montgomery, Nick Richards back, which was huge, but you know, they're still only down to three big guys. We adding in uh, Nate Sestina, the Bucknell grad transfer. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's um, it was kind of. It was kind of unfortunate for Kentucky because you you go from having a having a team that could end up like be, I mean, end up being crazy good to I mean now you're, you're still I mean I still have Kentucky I'm a third they're still very much a contender they're still very much a top five team but you're kind of back you're muddled you're muddled in with those other with the with the Michigan States the Kansas the Louisville the, the Florida. You're kind of muddled in with those guys as a par, as opposed to being, you know, kind of in a different tier, and and they come after. So I mean, you know, it's an unfortunate, you know, it's a big loss for Kentucky. And then not only that, he goes to Florida, which was the rival of pretty much. I mean, remember is all SEC schools pretty much he was considering outside of Virginia Tech. So all those SEC schools that whiffed on him, well, you're gonna have to play him next year. And he goes to Florida, and I I moved them up. I think I had them. Where did I have them? I think I had them at like in the top fifteen ish, or in between. I think it was actually in between twenty and fifteen, somewhere in that range. I moved them all the way up to four. Um, I love the makeup of their team now. Um, I I kind of if you break them down as far as guards, wings, bigs, this is kind of what I got: Andrew Nimhard, Noah Locke, and Trey Mann. I mean that's that's a pretty nice trio right there. Trey Mann, McDonald's All American that won't even start this year. Nimhard obviously showed vast improvement throughout the year. Noah Locke was streaky last year, but you have to think in year two he'll he'll put a he'll have a m- little bit more complete game. Very good shooter. And then the wings of Scotty Lewis and Keontae Johnson. Now Keontae Johnson will play a lot of small ball four for Florida. He did that last year and they were best when he did. But wow. That's a lot of athletic ability, a lot of bounce on the wing, and two dudes that can end up being end up hearing their name called um, in the 2020 NBA draft. Scotty Lewis will hear his name called. Keontae Johnson um, has a shot with how you know athletic his feet if he, if he uh, shows a more ample skill set in, in year two, he very well could be. And then Blackshear, Omar Payne, Dante Bassett. Now, Kerry Blackshear is the clear favorite, in my opinion, to uh, or the clear fa- you know clear, the clearly the best big. Omar Payne's got a little bit of offensive development to do, but he's a big body in the middle that can rebound, defend. Dante Bassett, he's going to be kind of the energizer bunny off the bench. That was his role again, not a ton of scoring, but I mean, you break it down. That's th- that's seven. That's seven, or I can't count. That's that's eight. That is eight. I'm sorry about that. Eight guys. Um, and I think that's going to be their rotation for the most part. They got some other guys. Uh, Gorjak Gok coming off of a medical red shirt. Um, I haven't seen him play in a long time. But, I mean, Mike Weiss done a really nice job of assembling this roster. He has completely maxed out his scholarships, which is pretty impressive because they brought in two transfers that will sit out. Anthony Deruji from... Um, Louisiana Tech and Tyree Appleby, point guard from uh, Cleveland State, I believe is where he, he was previously at. So, I mean, you know, Nimhar goes pro, you pretty much, I mean, you, you can pair uh, Appleby 
and man in the backcourt, and then Anthony Jeruji is an immediate replacement for Scotty Lewis, and he should have a pretty good impact. But, I mean, like, they lost a lot. Uh, you know, Kivaris Hayes, Jalen Hudson, Kayvon Allen, I mean, that, that, those were probably the three best players last year, all graduated. And then you had Chase Johnson, Keith Stone, Michael uh, Akaru, De- DeAndre Ballard, and Isaiah Stokes all transfer. I mean, so that is eight guys. You lose eight and you end up having a full allotment of scholarship. That's pretty impressive for Mike White building a top-five team, in my opinion. Some have Florida a little lower. I ha- you know, I think Gary Parrish maybe had him at, like, eight or nine. And I, mean, I get it. Like, they, they still are a little bit unproven, and they, they are young. But I think Kerry Blackshear was the, the, the cherry on top for this group, and, and that's what they were missing. I mean, c- uh, coming out of the, de- the NBA draft deadline, they were missing a marquee big, and – they got the marquee big of the grad transfer uh, portal, I guess, of that, uh, of that, uh, yeah, <clears throat> of the, of all the guys. I mean, Kerry Blackshear is the guy um, as far as bigs go for for this transfer season. So yeah, that I mean that I I, I like Florida. I, I'm pretty confident with them at four, um, and I think between Kentucky and Florida, those two games. Both in Rupp and in the O-Dome, uh, this this uh, this winter are going to be absolutely nuts. <laughs> I mean, they are going to be uh, they are going to be slugfest, and it's going to be two really really good basketball teams that are probably going to be putting it all together um, by the time they play. So that should be fun to watch. Um, let's see what else we got here. Yeah, let's talk about Oregon. I don't think anyone's had maybe a more impressive off season than Oregon. Um, because it was looking like they may not have enough players to make to have a team heading into this year uh, in like April. Um, they had, I mean, they had a, baz- a bazillion transfers, early draft in- entrance. Paul White and Ahab Amin graduated. They knew that was coming. That was not. That was no surprise. And then you knew Bull Bull was going to go pro. That was also no surprise. But then Lewis King and Kenny Wooten. Now, Lewis King, uh, you know, he ended up not getting drafted. One, one of the poor decisions of the draft deadline. Because had he, had, had he stayed, he's probably a projected first-round pick in 2020. Remember, he was hurt last year, so he didn't get to really showcase all, all of what he could do in a full season of health. It it was a puzzling decision <clears throat> for for a young kid and then he goes into the draft, is undrafted, and is going to have to fight his way through the G League instead of maybe getting that guaranteed deal. Now you can get guaranteed deals for I think undrafted free agents can get them too, but I know they can get them in the second round. But he wasn't drafted, so um that was a puzzling decision. Kenny Wooten, uh, you know, I think he. I think what he he had one year of eligibility left. That one made a little bit more sense. He kind of is what he is, but it's still a tough blow because he wasn't drafted either, and he. Oh yeah, he could have helped Oregon big time. And then you had three other transfers, most notably Victor Bailey Jr. So I mean, you're you're like stretched thin if you're Oregon. But Dana Adelman got to work and has a heck of a team now. All of a sudden, now I've seen Oregon ranked now with all these additions, and we'll get into them, as high as 8 from Rothstein, John Rothstein, and 15 from Gary Parrish. I'm not willing to go that far yet. I am at 23. I feel pretty good about that. They're young. 
Now they do have, now having Peyton Pritchard back is huge in my opinion for this team. They they need a solid veteran leader, and having that at the point guard position is very important. So I think that that is, um, I think that's a driving force in why they're ranked so high, and that's why I have them as high as I do. Um, but I still need to wait and see because it's a lot of dudes that didn't play together last year, a lot of freshmen. And a lot of guys that came back that didn't do a whole lot. But, I mean, adding in Shakir Houston from the UNLV transfer, you know, I think he'll get buckets. And then in Fally Dante, I, 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 Oregon's recruiting since probably, what, 20, 2018 has just been absurdly good. I mean, now, they were – I think they were mentioning the FBI deal, but – I mean, right now they're rolling right along, so I, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't hate on it. Like it, they, they are flat. I mean, Dana Adelman is flat out getting the job done. And <clears throat> now you get Anthony Mathis. I, I forget where he went to, where he was at school. He he might have been like New Mexico State. I think they added someone from New Mexico State. It might have been, might have been him. But I think he was like a really good shooter. And he and Peyton Pritchard, I think, were really good friends in, like, high school. So they're teaming back up. And then Eugene Omarui and Eric Williams Jr., two guys that will sit out this year. Uh, Eugene Omarui was Rutgers' best player last year. So they're going to have a good one sitting on the bench and a guy that can help and practice. Uh, but, wow, what a team. And they're not done yet. Um, Addison Patterson, a very talented scoring wing in the 2020 class, very likely to reclassify. Um, Oregon is heavily trending. Evan Daniels uh, put on put in a pick for Oregon yesterday. Jo- uh, Josh Gershon, who is his um, lead or is the expert, the assigned expert for Addison Patterson, also picked Oregon. So Oregon, the heavy favorite there. So they're they're not done yet. Now I have them down as um, they have all of their scholarships filled, but they have I believe Isaac Johnson one of the centers that they brought in is a Mormon. So, and maybe he goes on a mission. So he's not on scholarship. I don't know. You know, I don't know. Some, some Mormons go on their two year mission, come back to school. Some don't like Jabari Parker, obviously. Um, but I don't know how that's going to work. Um, anyway. Yeah. I mean, you get Will Richardson back, Francis Okoro back. So two guys that had a lot of talent that are very talented back in the fold, even though you do lose Lewis King. I mean, and, you know, C.J. Walker, who's who's a really good addition. This this Oregon team, like, whoo, with Addison Patterson, I'll probably move them inside the top 20 and have them um, as the favorite in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 has been very interesting. It's had a very interesting offseason, you know. And I, th- and I think with Nefali Dante, um, I think there's been sort of kind of some skepticism about what his impact will be. And I'll – this is my opinion on it. I mean, some I, I've seen some people, some experts think. I mean, John Rossi moved him all the way up to eight, so I think he believes Dante will have a pretty big impact. I think Gary Parish does, but I've seen Aaron Torres, th- you know, suggest that he doesn't think he will, and I think that it's somewhere in the middle. I think defensively, as far as a body, as a presence, he is going to be imposing. I mean, I don't care how raw you are. You're seven foot with the kind of measurables that he has, and like a seven one wingspan, something crazy like that. Um, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't like like your your presence is gonna be felt in the middle. 
And like I was saying with, with the Pac-12, you, the Pac-12's got beef this year. Like the SEC had it last year, and they lost a lot of it, you know, with Ray Travis, P.J. Washington, Grant Williams, Kyle Alexander, Admiral Schofield. Uh, you had Nas Reed with LSU, uh, Kivaris Hayes. I mean, like, I could go down, I could go on and on and on. There was a, and uh, Eric Holman from Mississippi State. There was a lot of dudes in the SEC that were beefed up last year that are gone. Now the Pac-12 looks to be the beefy one. And you have Isaiah Stewart coming in for Washington. And I know Jaden McDaniels isn't beefy, but he, he could play a little bit of stretch forward, and he's very talented. Um, for uh, USC, i got to make sure I pronounce his name right. Uh, <laughs> but you have Nick Ragusevic, Onyeka Akongwu, Isaiah Mobley. I mean, major, major beef in the middle of that uh, team as well. And then Arizona, you got Chase Jeter. Zeke Najee, I mean, like you better have some dude. You better have some big guys in the middle of the paint to defend. You just better, or you're going to be in trouble. And guess what? Oregon has that. And now within Falik Dante, I mean, in France, Socorro. I mean, both those dudes, massive. So now they got two of them. They got they got ten fouls between those two. They can, excuse me, they can throw at you. I think defensively, protecting the paint, rebounding, he's going to be pretty good. Now, offensively, I think it's going to be that's where the work in progress is certainly at. Um, I, I, you know, I know in Peach Jam that final, I think he had like twenty something points. Yet that team didn't have anyone like over what six, probably eight. I mean, he was by far the biggest player on the court, and it wasn't really close. Um, so he he was kind of doing. I mean, it was like it was kind of like what Yudoka as a pookie does to guys, um, or what he used to do to guys. I think he slimmed down a little bit, but. I think, you know, and like I said, Pac-12's got beef. So he's going to go up against dudes, not maybe not quite as big as he is, but pretty similar. I mean, Isaiah Stewart's all of 6'9", but he's long, and he's big. He's 240. I mean, he's not just going to get moved. So, and he doesn't have a super refined post game. I think, I think Nefali Dante's offense will, kind of, will, will have some maturing to do, but I think his defense will, uh, will, will be there. Okay, I apologize. I got a phone call there. But, um, so I threw a sponsored segment in there. Hopefully the ad actually plays. It was saying, when I was putting it, uh, when I put it in there, that it wasn't going to play. But I ho- but hopefully with a, uh, the, the fact that I'm adding a new segment, it will actually play an ad there. But anyway, so I was talking about in Valley Dante, I think his defense will be there in the immediate, and I think that will be the case. Um, I think with Addison Patterson, I, yeah, like I said, I think I'll move Oregon up a little bit more. Let's, but I need to see that that is official. You know how reclassification situations are. They're very fluid. They, there's a lot of moving parts. So uh, it's looking very likely that will happen, but um, until it does, I'm going to, um, I'm going to uh, refrain from making any, uh, any assumptions. Um, yeah, so, so and then in other Pac-12 news, right now Arizona, who I had as the favorite, dubbed the favorite, lost their returning leading scorer, Brandon Williams, who's a guard, point guard, for this season. I forget what the injury actually was, but he will be out. That's a pretty big blow. I mean, it. you know, I still think Arizona's going to be fine. I think they'll be a tournament team. I think they'll be a top three team in the Pac-12, but now their margin for error goes way Wait out. Like they don't have much of a margin for error at all. Um, a lot rides on Nico Mannion, Josh Green. Those guys are gonna have to grow up real fast. 
you know, there's not going to be, <laughs> like, there's not going to be a ton of, much of a uh, learning curve that's going to be thrown in the fire, and it's going to be either sink or swim. You know, Arizona's a very young team. I have them starting three freshmen, two seniors, Chase Jeter and Max Hazard. Uh, Hazard, the grad transfer from UC Irvine. But it's going to be trial by fire for sure. Um, you know, it's a shame they have Jamal Baker and Jordan Brown on the bench at the moment, transferring in but not eligible for this season. Um, they could definitely use Jamal Baker right now at that two-guard spot. Um, but we'll just have to see what happens. Good thing Devonair Dutrieve decided to withdraw from the transfer portal and come back to Arizona uh, because he will get a lot of playing time as with Dylan Smith. And they were another team that had a lot of uh, a lot of uh, early uh, or guys leaving early between Brandon Randolph staying in the draft, Omar Thielemans, Emmanuel Acott, Alex Barcelo. So, yeah, we'll see with Arizona coming off of an NIT season what kind of jump they make. But Brandon Williams uh, being hurt uh, does not help their cause by any means. We'll have to see uh, what happens um, with that one. All right, yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, Kentucky in their um, – and just kind of make up with their roster now and what could have been. So I have Kentucky at three. I have Michigan State 1. I've changed a little bit my top 50. Kansas at 2. I had Kentucky ahead of Kansas, but the more I thought about it, and I I think it's really I almost think it's a tie. I almost think it's a tie between Kansas and Kentucky because there's some things I like a little bit more about Kansas' roster, like their starting front court, but there's things I like much more about Kentucky's roster, the back court and their bench. But, and Kentucky's just overall talent level. But, I went ahead with Kansas. They're deeper. They filled out their scholarships. Um, like, and they got a lot of returning guys between Devin Dotson, Isaiah Moss, the grad transfer, Obachi, small forward, uh, DeSousa, and Yudoka as a buki. And then, you know, getting Marcus Garrett, David McCormick. I, 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 they have a lot of returning guys. So I, I went ahead and gave them the nod, but it's really a to- it's a toss-up for me. I, can, I understand putting either, either or in that scenario. But with Kentucky, I mean, they are they have a great team. Like, they have a really good team heading into the season. Getting Ashton Hagens, Tyrese Maxey, and uh, Emmanuel Quickly as a backcourt, that's the best backcourt in the country. You know, I, like I, Michigan State's got Cassius Winston, the best backcourt player. I mean, the number one player. But Kentucky has, from top to bottom, the best backcourt. And then you can even throw in Johnny Zhang in there um, as a – uh, he, he will play some two guard, I think, as well. I mean, that's that's a heck of a that's a heck of a backcourt. And then you know, Khalil Whitney and Keon Brooks. I mean, you're pretty set on the wings. And getting EJ Montgomery, and Nick Richards back. Now, obviously, they got to take a jump, but that's still getting. I mean, this is Kentucky. You don't usually don't get four dudes back like they did that played meaningful minutes throughout the previous season. Like that doesn't happen. And EJ, and, and from the previous recruiting class, 2018 class, they got a majority of that class back with Quickly, with Hagens, with Montgomery. It's three of the five. I mean, Keldon and Tyler Hero going pro. I mean, that's pretty crazy when you think about it. They got a majority of, a, of the recruiting class back. That never happens, right? Usually, I mean, almost all of it leaves. 
you know, you'll get lucky to, I mean, like back in, you know, the 2016 class, they were lucky to get Winnie and Gabriel and Sasha Clay Jones back. You know, two of those five. Bam, Monk, Fox, all going pro. So, I mean, it's, uh, you, you, and you like that, and you know, you get a, you know, another grad transfer, Nate Sestina, guys played in the NCAA tournament, guy that started last year, shot 39% from three, like, can give you good minutes. I mean, it, so it's a very good team, and it's still a contender, and still a top five team, but, and I don't, really don't think that's debatable, <laughs> but what could have been, um, I'm going to pull this up. So essentially right now, Kentucky, if you had to say, what's the thing that they're missing? What, what are they missing? What's the missing piece that could put them over the top? It's a big. It's no no doubt about that one. Like, I, I don't think so. If they had an elite big in the middle, they would be the top team, you know. If you count in the 2019 cycle, recruiting class cycle, if you count, if you add in the grad transfers, Kentucky, by my measure, was one for 10 on bigs. One for 10. Okay, now let me go through the offers that they they threw out in that 2019 class. Jaden McDaniels. Now, Jaden McDaniels and Matthew Hurt, these are the power forward section. Now, in my eyes, these dudes are technically oversized wings, right? Matthew Hurt and Jaden McDaniels are best used on the perimeter. They're not really bangers down low. They're not super strong. Jaden McDaniels is a super athlete. Hurt is not. Hurt's much more skilled than McDaniels. So, but all in all, I mean, they're 6'9". McDaniels is 185. Matthew Hurt, 215. That's according to that's what uh, 24-7 sports lists them as, so I'll go with that. That's, I mean, it, it, you know, and K- with Kentucky already having Clue and, and Keon Brooks, I don't consider those horrible misses. Now, Kentucky finished probably second for both of them. Hurt, it would have, if not for Duke, it probably would have been Kansas or Kentucky. Um, who knows who was second, running second in that, but I think Kentucky was, I think Kentucky was right there. If Trey Jones had not gone back to Duke, um, I think Kentucky and Duke would have been neck and neck. I think I think the FBI stuff kind of scared her the herb camp away from Kansas. And when Trey Jones, who's also from Minnesota, came back to Duke, that that kind of solidified that decision. And Jade McDaniels, I mean, was going to Kentucky, changed his mind. Um, but two oversized wings, not huge losses. Then you have Zeke Naji. I don't think Kentucky went all in on him. They offered him, and they looked like the uh, they looked like an immediate favorite when they did. But then. Three weeks after they offered him, he cut Kentucky from his, or he he uh, he put out a top five. And Kentucky wasn't on it, so that was that. They have DJ Jeffries on here. I don't count him. Uh, Kentucky obviously offered him and took his commitment back in March of 2018. But the second he decommitted, he had no offer from Kentucky. Right, that that offer was gone. So like he severed ties. That was that. So I don't really consider him a miss. And and DJ Jeffries, I don't think. Makes a big impact on this team. He he's a he's a probably a two or a three to four year college player, better suited elsewhere anyway. Not a great athlete. I mean, it, I think we'll turn into a decent college player, but but like, yeah, I I don't think in year one he's having a huge impact. Like, I think he was at the Jordan Brand game, didn't show too well there. 
among some of their elite competition. I, I don't make a whole lot of that. But Zeke Nagy, Matthew Herman Daniels, I think, could, could be difference makers. But I don't consider any of those the huge losses. It's the centers. <laughs> okay. Um, James Wiseman, we know the story there, Kentucky, was a Kentucky lock for probably a year. Memphis gets hired at Penny, or Memphis gets hired. Penny gets hired at Memphis. Penny Hardaway gets hired at Memphis. And just over the course of last summer, I kind of remember this, it just seemed like every day it was more, the pendulum swung more from Kentucky to Tennessee. Like, or to Memphis, excuse me. Like, it seemed, because at first, like when Memphis, or when Penny took the Memphis job, I cannot speak, and kind of the first few months, April, because I think it happened in April, May, May, June, still was like, yeah, Kentucky's still probably the leader. And then you get into the school year, eh, it's probably 50-50. And then you get to October, and remember, eh, Memphis is probably in the lead. And then obviously as decision time came, it was pretty obvious he was going to Memphis. You know, it's a shame. They had him locked up, and the one thing – and, and this is the top player in the class, the projected number one pick in the 2020 draft. And the one thing that would keep him from going anywhere else was his AAU coach, a close mentor, getting hired on at the hometown school. And that's exactly what happened. It's a gut punch. And what that did, because Kentucky was so sure they had Wiseman, and they did. They didn't go all in on a guy like Isaiah Stewart, who admitted that Kentucky just jumped in too late. And he had a better relationship with Mike Hopkins of Washington. Ops to go there. Vernon Carey was just always a Dukeling. You know, like Kentucky didn't even make his top three. They was obviously in the top five. They recruited him. They were <clears throat> they got an official visit out of him, but they were were they ever that close to ever landing him? Nah, not really. Nefali Dante, I mean, the people in his ear, Oregon. Oscar Shubway, the people in his ear. West Virginia, and they were the first school to really recruit him. Everybody goes, and then you have Kerry Blackshear, who gets the perfect combination with Florida of a national title contender if I go there, and now they're close to home, being an Orlando, Florida native. I mean, you can't make up worse luck than that. But Kentucky went all in on Wiseman, and they swung and missed. And it was kind of like, you know, it was a little bit like Zion. Like, Kentucky thought they had Zion. And, obviously, and now that one hurt worse because he went to Duke. Not a, you know, Memphis, going to Memphis is annoying. It's frustrating for Kentucky, but it's not. And the world should, I mean, it's Memphis. But Kentucky was able to make up for it. <laughs> With this cycle, though, Kentucky really wasn't able to make up the big. It used to be, what was funny is that it used to be that Kentucky wasn't able to land the wings, right? They went like 2014 through 2016, those classes. They could not land a wing. Stanley Johnson, Justice Winslow, uh, Kelly Oubre, that was one of them. They were high. I mean, I know in 2015 you had Jalen Brown, you had Brandon Ingram. I think who else did they have? I forget. And then 2016 you had Miles Bridges. That was the big one. But then, then it kind of went from that to bigs. 2017 class. Well, you had Bolden was a miss. Uh, Staff wasn't, I think, heartbroken. Too heartbroken about that, and obviously not. But I mean, he. 
you know, still a miss nonetheless to Duke. And then Marvin Bag the next class, Marvin Bagley, Andre Ayton, Movamba. That's those are, you know, I think Ayton they kind of steer clear because of FBI stuff. But I mean Bagley and, and Bomba, Kentucky wanted bad. And, you know, I think with Bomba, you know, they wanted him bad. With Bagley, they wanted him in class twenty eighteen. He obviously opted to reclass. And then you had last year, you had, you know, Bull Bull, who they kind of soured on after the official visit, and you had Zion Williamson. That was quite a mess as well. And then obviously this year, you have five, you, you, I mean, Kentucky handed out five scholarships to centers, and they've got none of them. I mean, that, that, that just doesn't happen. Right? That, that, that doesn't happen. So, pretty unprecedented numbers. Um, and we'll get, we'll touch, we'll get more into Kentucky's recruiting efforts later on in the podcast, but um, what is a really good team could be a, could be a no-doubt contender. I think if they land Wiseman Stewart, or Wiseman Stewart or Kerry Blackshear Jr., I, I mean, it's, it's a no question. It's a no-brainer. They're the top team in the country. And they were close to landing definitely two of those three. They, they probably finished second for two of those three. You know, Stewart, you know, Duke and Michigan State were pretty heavily involved as well. I mean, Wiseman is, is Memphis or Kentucky. But I think with Blackshear, I mean, I think it was behind Florida. I think Kentucky and Tennessee were right there. But I would give probably the nod to Kentucky because national title contender, big stage, that kind of a deal. So that's frustrating for Kentucky. Still a top three team, still a contender. But, man, they could they could have separated themselves from the pack. It's, that's a – that's an unfortunate, dude. An unfortunate series of events that, like, I it, like, it probably will never happen again when you really think about it. And I think just a lot of these dudes had built such good prior relationships, and and that doesn't always happen, right? That doesn't always happen. Like Stewart, Dante, and Shubway, they were already in so deep with with Washington, Oregon, West Virginia, respectively. You know. It, it's unfortunate, but that that's kind of the way uh, that it went. All right, let's let's see what else do we have here. I, I wanted to mention that though, just because of like I mean, Kentucky could be the clear contender, but they're kind of muddy, muddled in. I moved Duke down a little bit. Nothing nothing wrong with them. Nothing. I just I Louisville's got a lot of guys returning now. Granted, from a team that that didn't win a tournament game last year, but I, I think Samuel Williamson. And Jordan Wara are going to have monster seasons. Uh, Lamar Kimball's going to have to be good because David Johnson got hurt. He's going to be out for most of the season, I believe. But I, I'm Duke down to six. Uh, but the thing is that Trey Jones is the difference between this team being ranked sixth and maybe 26. I mean, seriously. Um, he, he is the most important player on this team. But it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be interesting. Duke going from a very perimeter oriented based team last year with Barrett, Reddish, Zion, obviously, now to a post team with Matthew Hurt and Vernon Carey Jr. See how Mike, Mike Szczeski, uh kind of adjusts to that. But that should be an interesting transition for them. Gonzaga uh, added Ryan Woolridge. They were – so they, you know, they were – I believe this was after the deadline, the so I don't think I've touched on this yet. Um but obviously they had to need a point guard. Gonzaga did after you know Perkins is obvious. Perkins graduated, so and, you know Zach Norvell, more a two guard, but still the other main ball handler. You know they they added Admon Gilder. I think people thought maybe he could play on ball, but he's a two guard. 
I think he played a little bit on ball at Texas A&M, but he's much better off as a, as a shooter. So they went and added Ryan Woolridge. I'm actually pretty familiar with this kid. Uh, Ryan Woolridge went to North Texas last year, so I got to watch him um, a couple times when covering WKU, uh, most notably in the Conference USA tournament. And he's a really good player. Um, he's he's one of those guys that he's not really great at one thing, but he's solid at pretty much everything. Solid passer, solid defender, solid handler. Got really good size for the position. I think he's like probably six five ish. He's a big guy, pretty long. Um, you know, his weak, not a great shooter by any means, but is a pretty good, like, is a player elevator. And the thing is, at North Texas, he played with a bunch of just not good basketball, like, just scrubs. I mean, to be frank, like, no offense, but they just aren't, they, that North Texas team outside of him was awful. And Gonzaga had to be like, dude, now let's put you with around dudes that, like, have NBA potential that are, like, legit high major talents I think he's going to thrive there I mean it'll be a little bit well it'll be a little bit of a learning curve I mean because Gonzaga will play teams in non-conference but I mean w, the, the WCC is is you know but between that and Conference USA I mean you have Gonzaga you have what um, St. Mary's and then a major drop off after that San Francisco was decent I think last year but I mean come on so I think Gonzaga uh, I, I really like the pickup with Woolridge, uh, you know, a, a, a veteran, a guy that's pretty good at, at doing most things, uh, you know, in decent at getting in the paint, you know, uh, not like not a great shooter, but he's not going to have to be with Admon Gilder and Corey Kispert. I mean, those are going to be the dudes taking threes, uh, you know, taking jump shots. So he should be able to, you know, to uh, set them up. I, I like the addition for Gonzaga, and I think that fills a need, and they're going to go into the season now with a with a veteran point guard, even if not a returning point guard, a veteran point guard that has, uh, you know, that that is a very solid all-around player. So I really like that addition. I thought I, would, I should mention that. Uh, let's see here. Now that I'm thinking about it, oh, so obviously there's international tours going around. Uh, I think you know Seton Hall, Houston, some of the some of the notable ones. I uh, can't think of anyone else off the top of my head. I know there's more of them though. Uh, I'm going to mention those on the next podcast. I'm going to go through and like look up some of the the you know the stats and kind of stuff. USC is another team that's on one. Um, I, I figured that would probably be best suited for uh, another episode with me talking kind of news tidbits. I did want to mention, though, with scheduling, um, not going to go into much detail other than this, the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Let me go ahead, or, yeah, Big 12 Challenge. Let me go ahead and uh, pull that up. Because that came out... Um, Think later July. I really like this slate. Last year they really screwed up by not having Auburn or Mississippi State uh, or LSU. I think in, in it, and that made no sense. I'm like, oh, come on. Like, and, uh, Auburn made no uh, Auburn. It made no sense. They made the tournament the year before. Like State and LSU didn't make the tournament before, but you had to know they were going to be good coming into last year. Like they were going to be very good, and they were. I mean, they were tournament teams, but I. Kentucky at Texas Tech, I love it. You know, Kentucky plays Kansas every year. And, I mean, look, it's a heck of a matchup. It's a, you know, they're 
you know, two great programs, two blue bloods. But let's spice it up a little bit. Playing Texas Tech on the road, I mean, that's like, what, the fourth or fifth meeting all time. Um, that's going to be a great matchup. Um, Texas Tech, you know, I have them ranked at 11, but it's really not due to their roster. I don't love their roster. I don't hate it. I don't love it, but it's mainly due to Chris Beard because I didn't necessarily love their roster last year, and look at where they ended up the final game of the season in that final Monday in April. So, uh, you know, I, I think it'll be a great matchup um, in, in a fun environment, maybe the biggest home game Tech's had in a while, right? So that'll be interesting. Uh, Tennessee at Kansas, I don't love that matchup. I'd rather Florida in Kansas play, but I think they both went on the road last year, so they couldn't play, which is unfortunate because that would be an awesome matchup. Uh, Blackshear, Doak, Dotson, Nimbar, it'd be fun. Scotty Lewis, it'd be, it'd be that'd be a fun game, but oh well. Tennessee, I you know Kansas will win that game, I would assume, but. You know, in Tennessee, you know, Rick Barnes going going back to Texas, I mean, you know, or back to Kansas, excuse me, back to Big 12 stomping grounds. That should be an interesting matchup. Baylor, Florida. Baylor's another pretty good, you know, team. Uh, I still would rather than, you know, Florida and Kansas, but Baylor's, you know, that's decent. Mississippi State at Oklahoma, that should be a good game. Missouri at West Virginia. West Virginia will probably win that game by a bunch, but still. Um LSU at Texas, I think that that has uh, that's intriguing. Iowa State at Auburn, that's going to be a high that that should be you know a high scoring matchup even with Auburn not having you know quite the explosiveness at guard play. Uh, Kansas State at Alabama, yeah. So I you know I I kind I like some of these pairings. It should be a very interesting. Um, there's some interesting matches, but I, I love that Kentucky and Texas attack are, are playing. That that was. That was really well done by whoever scheduled this, um, and I think you know I like Baylor. I like Baylor, Florida. That should be a pretty good game too. Um, but yeah, that's that's. Uh, but if depending on how good, well, since they both, it's it's a shame that both Florida and Kansas are both play at home and on the road at the same time because I really want to see a matchup between those two um, in the near future. Because I don't think they've played since I, not that I remember. But anyway, thought I'd throw that out there. Okay, let's see if there's anything else. I don't think so. Nothing too earth-shattering uh, roster-wise has happened that I can think of. I mean, there's been a few things. Go to the transfer portal real quick, just in case I'm missing anything. I don't think that I am. And then we'll we'll go into recruiting. Yeah, we'll just go straight into recruiting. Okay, so <clears throat> obviously, you know, summer is big with recruiting. And a few dominoes have dropped, but it's going to be a very, very uh, intriguing, intense fall um, to talk about. Um, so talking with, you know, some of the bigger prospects. The top two players in the country right now, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, both have interesting situations because they have a an immediate family member on staff. Evan Mobley's father is the coach, is an assistant at USC. Cade Cunningham, his brother, was just hired on at Oklahoma State. Evan Mobley went ahead and made it official. No one else was really recruiting him for the better part of the of a year, um, so he went ahead and pulled the trigger. Committed to USC. Ooh, excuse me. 
should be a true difference maker there in the post. I mean, USC building, you know, could be building a monster, but they've also underwhelmed very much in recent years, so we'll just have to see what happens. Cade Cunningham cut his list to five. It's I believe it's Oklahoma State, duh, Kentucky, North Carolina, Florida, Washington. And he claims his recruitment is wide open. He's, I think he's going to take official visits, but Oklahoma State is still the clear favorite here until otherwise uh, talked about. So that, you know, that kind of interesting developments, you know, getting family members on staff, locking up these top guys for not, you know, not really, not blue blood programs. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Duke and Kentucky are off to pretty strong starts. Duke uh, getting Jalen Johnson and Jeremy Roach. They got Jeremy Roach back in May. I've probably, just, I've probably mentioned that on previous episodes. And then Jalen Johnson on July the 4th. So they kind of have their top prospects locked down. Uh, Trey Jones replacement, and uh, with Jalen Johnson, you got a you got a super athletic th- uh, forward that can play either the three or the four, and um, you know very very you know skilled, versatile, can pass the ball, playmaker. Um, jump shots a work in progress, but should you know be an immediate help to the Blue Devils next year because they're going to lose Carey. They're going to lose Hurt. They, they very well could lose Wendell Moore. So they're going to need some definitely help um, in that kind of combo forward area, and he, he provides immediate help at that. And then Kentucky started off nice with B.J. Boston, Brandon Boston Jr., uh, who will go to Sierra Canyon this fall. He is going to end – or he – he ended his recruitment what back about three weeks ago on his official visit to Kentucky, and then Kentucky also locked in Cameron Fletcher out of St. Louis, Missouri. Kind of gave him the Michael Kid Gilchrist pitch, a super athletic guy, not great shooter though, uh, but should be very versatile defensively. Kentucky essentially they have they have Boston listed as a two guard. I think he's going to play a lot of the three. He's super long, uh, measure measures similarly to uh, Brandon Ingram. Obviously, you remember him. He had he was a very long kid. So I think Boston kind of uh, pretty similar in that aspect as well. Trying to think if there's any other, any other major commitments. Uh, Tennessee's off to a good start as well. Keon Johnson. They, they got Corey Walker back in March. Um, and now they got Keon Johnson, uh, guard. That they are pretty, you know, keeping the best player in state. Uh, I think they beat out Ohio State for for Johnson, but uh, yeah, good start for Rick Barnes. He was normally getting three stars, and he's getting some four stars now. Uh, but you know, now they're losing losing some guys early to the draft. That that used to not be a problem for Tennessee, but you know that's what happens. They got to reload. And they are doing such. I think right now, currently, Virginia is your cl- is your uh, class leader, the national champions. Uh, that's also just based on sheer just quantity of uh, commitments. They have three. Anyone? Uh, there's only two, or well, actually, take that back. Three schools with three commitments, with Virginia, Houston being one and two in the class rankings. Duke and Kentucky following at three and fourth or two. Tennessee at five, Butler at six. These will change quite a bit over the next few months. 
Um, and as far as you know, picking a favorite, I you know I. It seems like Kentucky is in good position to land the top class every year around this time. They were last year, right? And if they got Wiseman, they would have. If they got any of those bigs, they would have the top class. Any of them. Any of them. At all. But they didn't. So they, they settled for number two again. They finished ahead of Duke this time, but they did not uh, finish ahead of Memphis. Um. But, with that being said, Kentucky is on list of Cade Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, cut his list to eight back in February, Greg Brown, Joshua Christopher, Isaiah Todd. Am I missing anybody? I think that's all of them. Yeah. So, what what was that? That was like five top 15 players. And they already got B.J. Boston locked down. They already got Cameron Fletcher locked down. So they're, already, they're going into the, to the fall with, um, with two commitments. So they already, they already have a good foundation. And then Jalen Green, the, top, the, the third best player in the country, you know, he doesn't have a list out, but it's essentially down to Kentucky, Memphis, or will play overseas. I think he – I mean – there's a lot. There's been you know a lot of skepticism. You know, oh, he you know he didn't rule out overseas. Well, in the interview that I think a lot of people are referencing, he specifically said, he's like, oh, you know, I'm not gonna rule it out. I may look into it, but I think I want to go to college. It's seeming like I kind of want to go to college, but overseas is not out of the question. It could happen, but it's unlikely to happen. He's mo- he's very the heavy favorite for him is to land. At a, at a university uh, in the fall. He will commit on Christmas, is what he says. He will announce on Christmas. I think Kentucky lands Jalen Green, Joshua Christopher, to pair with B.J. Boston. I think Christopher and Green, both from California, they teamed up uh, with the, the Vegas Elite AAU team. It, this was like a weekend or two after Peach Jam. Had an insanely entertaining highlight t- uh, tape. I retweeted it, and then D1... Circuit tweeted it. I it hypes me up every time I watch it. Really entertaining stuff. Um, but they, but if you watch the video, they both look like they're best friends, and they both look like they just they love playing with each other. They love the spotlight. It just seems like a match made in heaven. Um, you know, Christopher down to Kentucky, Missouri, Arizona State, Michigan, and UCLA. But I mean, what school offers a better? Spotlight than Kentucky. He he said Kentucky was his dream school. Was a Kentucky fan, um, so I I find it you know, I you know he's got family at Arizona State. His brother goes there. I think his uncle or something like that is on staff at Missouri. But Kentucky seems like a pretty heavy favorite there. And then with Jalen Green, he he seemingly you know loves playing with Christopher. So you put two and two together. That's I I think they both end up there. I mean, that alone, I mean, that's going to put you quite very much up there. And I think Kentucky is in a great spot with Isaiah Todd. You know, Greg Brown, they have to <clears> – there's some work to be done there, but he doesn't announce until the spring. You know, he's from Austin, so Texas is obviously a major, major player in that recruitment, as is, you know, the rest of his four. Honestly, it wouldn't be a surprise if he landed anywhere between Kentucky, Memphis, North Carolina, Texas – and what was the f- Auburn? Auburn. So 
you know, so that'll be kind of interesting. You know, Duke, I think, is going to be just fine. Uh, I think it's it's going to be either <clears throat> Auburn or Duke for uh, the five-star center, Walker Kessler from Georgia. I think one of those two schools will get him. I think they're in really good spots with with DJ Stewart, combo guard from Chicago. Went to the same high school as Jaleel Oakford, uh, Whitney Young. And then Mark Williams and Henry Coleman. They're in great spots with the, with those two as well. Um, going after more they're kind of going after more four stars. They're not really on a whole lot of lists for these big name prospects up here. They're on Scotty Barnes' final eight, but I think he ends up at kind of like a school like Miami, Ohio State, Oregon. I think Oregon maybe the leader. Like I said, Oregon's just been blowing up recruiting lately. So we'll have to see there. I, I would say that they're probably, you know, in, in good spots. Some of those, you know, high end four stars, low, lower end five stars. I, I, you know, but I think they kind of landed their foundation with Jeremy Roach and, and I mean, Jalen Johnson was kind of their guy in this class. Like he was their guy. Like we got to get this one. Like, they're not going to get Green. Not going to get Cunningham. Unlikely they get Barnes. Nazire Williams is a guy that they are very much in the hunt with. I think it'll go, come down to Carolina, Duke, and Stanford. He's from he's from uh, out in California. He's going to go to Sierra Canyon as well. Him and B.J. Boston teaming up with Bronny James, Zaire Wade, and a bunch of other really talented prospects on that Sierra Canyon team. Yeah, I, I think uh, – Duke's going to be just fine. They'll, they'll land theirs. I, I think that they'll end up with probably five guys. I think that's probably the close. That's probably what they'll lose. They'll lose Hurt, Carey, probably Wendell Moore, Trey Jones, Delorier graduates, Jack White graduates. Uh, so, yeah, the, I think they'll land, they'll land at least five guys. They already got two, so they're well on their way there. They'll find other guys they miss. On some of the current targets, yeah, I think Carolina should be – and do for a pretty solid class, you know that they're in it for Isaiah Todd. I, I really think he ends up at Kentucky, but I could be wrong. I, I think Kentucky, Kansas, or Carolina gets Isaiah Todd. I put a lot of money that it was just those three, but I think Kentucky is pretty clearly the favorite. Remember, he was set to reclassify in February, and Kentucky was going to be that team. Kentucky has a spot, I mean, had a scholarship open for him, brother. It was going to be 2019 or 2020, so I think he was going to be set on either of those two seasons or, or any of those two classes. I think Kentucky's every favorite. But they got Dayron Sharp, Carolina does. I think they're, they're probably in the driver's seat for Zaire Williams. They've been recruiting him for well over a year. Jaden Springer's another guy they're in a really good position for. I think Keon Johnson ending up at Tennessee is good news for Carolina on that front because, you know, two. Two talented two guards on the same. I mean, it can work, but I don't know. With Tennessee, they're going to have – that just seems like some clashing. And Carolina is going to lose Cole Anthony, Brandon Robinson, Kristen Keeling, Justin Pierce. They're going to lose a ton from their backcourt. So they need guys, and they got an open spot for them. I think he ends up there, to be honest. Um, I think they're going to host Jalen Green for an official visit. Or they're trying to at least, but I don't see that one happening. I think again, it's Kentucky and Memphis for him, or he's overseas. I'm trying to think if there's anything else there is really to cover. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know Duke and Kentucky will will continue to be up there, it, and also we'll see what Memphis 
is able to do as an encore after, you know, having a terrific 2019 class, the top class in the country. You know, like I said, they're very much in it for Jalen Green. They made uh, Greg Brown and Isaiah Todd's top five. I don't think they're going to get Todd. I think Brown's a possibility. I think he's definitely a possibility. I'm trying to think of who else. I don't – no one really stands out to me. Oh, I forgot for Kentucky, Lance Ware. They're very much the favorite to land Lance Ware. He hasn't scheduled an official visit to Kentucky, but I think that's coming soon. I, I you know, So we'll see what happens with Memphis. You know, they, they've been shooting for the stars. They're going to lose a lot of talent, obviously, off their team this year with Wiseman, Preston, Chua uh, going – almost certainly going one and done. So – uh, yeah, they, they've landed on. They're they're still landing on list of pretty uh, high priority uh, targets. Uh, I think that probably about wraps it up. Kind of the summer recap. I'll try to do one of these maybe in the next couple weeks. We'll see. Um, like I said, I want to you know go over some of the teams that did international tours, such as Seton Hall, such as USC, such as Houston. There's many more that I'm not uh, listing off right now. Um, but definitely want to get more into that. But thank you all uh, for listening. Again, give me feedback. Let me know. I'll definitely uh, – I should have this link tweeted out. Um, if everyone to listen, I'll do that with future podcasts as well. But thank you all for listening. Um, have a great rest of your summer, and I am excited for college basketball to get going. Thank you all for listening.